Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Oh, welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. It is Cowboys Week. Shield Kapati here. Of course, the midweek show with my friend Sean Syed from Sumer Sports. Sean, how are we doing? Shield, I'm doing great. Uh, happy day after Halloween. I'm glad to see that you you made it through an incredible Halloween costume outing. And uh, I was surprised, you know, there's no Reese's peanut butter cups on your face or anything, at least from what I can see. Maybe you edited that out on the feed. But yeah, ha- always happy to be here. Yeah, this is an HD, so you might see some Twix crumbs or something on my uh, chin. I should probably wipe down the desk here. I was snagging some of those earlier. Yeah, you're referring to, of course, uh, uh, Leela had the Philly Fanatic costume on uh, yesterday, which, by the way, I had nothing. I was had nothing to do with, you know, her uh, and my wife put it together. But it was a it was a big hit uh, for sure. She was, you know, moving the belly around, and uh, everybody enjoyed that. So you can check that out on my uh, on my Twitter or my Instagram. So yes. It was a successful uh, Halloween, and I'm sure uh, while I'm watching Eagles-Cowboys here on Sunday, I'll be going back into the stash and stealing some of those Reese's and some of those some of those twigs. So here's what we're doing today. Listen, some weeks it's, a, it's all about you go back and you really want to talk about the previous game, and the next game doesn't have that much juice, so we do a quick preview at the end. And then there are other weeks, like this week, where, listen, we're going to get into the film from Eagles Commanders. We're not going to ignore that. We, we, we got to put that to bed. But then we're going to start talking about this matchup. Eagles-Cowboys, I mean, this is a huge matchup. For as well as the Eagles have played here, uh, and they are 7-1, and one, they're the only one-loss team in the NFL you got the Cowboys in your division. So you lose this game. You're 7-2. and two. The Cowboys are 6-2. and two. We went through this last year with the Eagles. It's like 
you're either going to be probably the one or the two seed, or you're going to end up being the five seed. And we all know uh, there's a big difference in those two things. So still a long way to go, but there's no doubt this is an Eagles-Cowboys game with some juice. Last week, the first one had Cooper Rush, which, listen, he won some games for Dallas, but you want Hertz, you want Prescott, you want Parsons, you want CD, like you want all the big uh, all the big guys playing. And most of them should be healthy for this game. So we're going to preview that matchup. All right. Let's start with a little review, shall we, Sean? We'll start uh, with the offense here. Eagles go up and down the field for the most part uh, on the commanders there. Jalen Hurts with a very good game. I said it in the post-game podcast. Based on EPA per pass play, this was the best start of J- Jalen Hurts' career by a wide margin. The difference, and, and people make fun of me because I always uh, I, I like to do this little exercise for Stats, Sean, where I say the difference between this and his number two start was the same as the difference between his number two start, which, by the way, was the Titans game last year, and his number 16 start, which was the 49ers game in 2021. So uh, Hertz played really well. I think this was a don't overthink it game. This was a take the check downs when they're there. This was a RPO, steal yards when you can, when the corner's playing off. Oh, and by the way, uh, throw the ball up there to A.J. Brown and let him make some big plays. Uh, What were some of your big picture thoughts uh, on what you saw from the film with this Eagles performance? I think Hertz is really on a heater. And it's fun to have tracked Mm. him week to week because we go back to week one where we're concerned about a lot of different things. And at this point, we've seen the offense as a whole can win in so many different ways based on who the opponent is. And of course, I think he was hampered by that right knee injury. And I do like that he ended up getting to his checkdowns quicker because quarterbacks that extend the play, they're often less likely to throw that check down because it often just ends in a scramble. But I think Hertz understood his physical limitation there, tweaked his processing just a little bit. And to me, you know, that is a sign of a mature quarterback. And I think, you know, we can use the, the word encouraging early here on this one, an encouraging sign going forward that, of course, you do not want that knee injury to be something that continues to linger and linger but a quarterback that understands that and can adjust that, I think that's a big deal for the offense. Yeah, that really stood out. And it's a great point. Quarterbacks, you know, like athletes all the time say, you know, we know our bodies and some of them do and some of them don't. And some of them think they can do things that even when they're fully healthy, you're kind of like that probably, you know, this is the NFL. You probably shouldn't uh, be playing that way. And you see that. And Hertz really does strike me as someone who is in tune with like, what am I able to do? What is asked of me in this specific game, on this specific play, on this specific possession, on this specific drive against this specific opponent? And I will kind of adjust on the fly to what's needed. And so you're absolutely right. Like I was looking at the time to throw stats and they were a little higher than I expected because he did extend a little bit. But uh, I mean, there were a lot of plays in this game where you say, all right, you know, maybe he could have waited for something to open downfield or he could have taken a shot. But you know what? There was an easy six, seven, eight yards underneath and he just took it and I think that that's a really encouraging sign like all the talk earlier this is he bailing from the pocket too early well now he kind of doesn't he doesn't have a choice really right I mean he like the way uh, you know he's obviously in this game he had a scramble early on I think for seven yards and a first down where he kind of turned the corner and got past the defensive end and you're like okay he still got that and then you see him walking back to the huddle 
And like he's clearly in discomfort there, whether you want to call it uh, a limp or whatever. So he's still got a little bit of that at his disposal. He had a play where he, uh, you know, got out of the pocket and found A.J. Brown downfield. I think, you know, Hertz kind of rolled out to his left and A.J. Brown went all the way across the field and, and he found him there. So he still got some of that at his disposal. But I'm with you in terms of the scrambles, the second reaction stuff. Like he went into this game knowing, no, 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 I don't, I don't need to lead on that. Uh, I probably that would be a bad idea if I did too much of that. Yeah, I think that shows us that he extends those plays when he is healthy for a reason. It's not just him meandering in the pocket. Like there is very clearly a purpose. Yeah. And when he knows that he can't do that, hey, let's get the ball to Gainwell. Let's get the ball to Swift. Let's you know keep things moving. And the offense as a whole, it does feel like. You know, it's it's threes and layups. Let's hit our deep shots to AJ Brown. Let's take our layups underneath, keep things moving as much as we can. And I'm I mean, I'm fine with that as long as AJ Brown keeps on doing what he's doing. And I do think that as well as Hertz understanding, you know, maybe this isn't a game where we're escaping as much. The offense clearly was built, and Brian Johnson, I think, did a good job where the horizontal stretch on some of those RPOs, it's got her into the flat as opposed to Hertz as a keeper. And now that you would love to have Hertz be an impact in the run game, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit but the offensive coordinator is understanding all right i'm not going to put my p- player in a position that he's not able to succeed where when we talk start talking about getting into cowboys week you know you're about to be in a buy maybe some of those things get pushed a little bit more yeah no 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 doubt about it uh you mentioned hurts on a heater here i was looking at some of the numbers three of his uh, top 10 games in terms of EPA per pass play for his career have come this season, both of the games against the Commanders uh, and the game against the Rams. Um, and so you look at it overall right now, he's seventh in EPA per pass play and 18th in success rate. And so generally that says to me, they're hitting on the, the high leverage stuff. They're hitting on the big plays downfield on a down to down basis. Is it as consistent as it was last year through eight games? I would say no to that, but Overall, uh, he's actually higher in terms of VPA per pass play than he was last year when he finished, what, second um, in MVP voting there. So uh, some of the stuff that kind of stood out here um, to me, you know, the last drive of the first half, he goes seven for seven for 65 yards and a touchdown. He hits Devontae Smith uh, against Tampa two there. Uh, That was a a nice throw from Jalen Hurts. And I felt like he just had command on that drive Uh, on the Devontae Smith touchdown. Commanders bust the coverage there, but he still had a guy in his face, you know, there where he's he's getting hit. It actually reminded me if anyone watched the Monday night game uh, between the Lions and the Raiders, like Garoppolo had Devontae Adams multiple times. He's under pressure and he misses him. And so like, you can't take that for granted when a guy's wide open downfield. If a guy's hitting you, it's still sometimes hard to get the ball there. He got the ball there for that one. A uh, nice pass to Julio Jones there uh, for the touchdown. So those were just some of the plays that stood out to me. I didn't know if any of those or, or something else uh, you wanted to hit on that stood out to you that you wanted to point out from Jalen Hurts' performance. Even before that, when you talk about kind of EPA success rate, the 49ers are a team where they're kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum for some of these games where they're like an incredibly high success rate offense, but their EPA will dip off. And you can think about how teams are or people are talking about the Niners. They just lost three games in a row where, you know, big backbreaking turnovers and the Eagles being able to avoid that is really, really big. And, you know, we got to continue to give the flowers to AJ Brown. I just like that. He can win in different ways. And I think we talk about a new way every week where one of my favorite routes this week, it's like stop and go and stop again. Where like, how are you supposed to like, you just can't do anything as a cornerback. I don't know if AJ Brown has like a personal vendetta 
against the commanders, but I mean, just, just a really, way. really, really awesome job. And I think yeah, overall Devonte Smith, you know, he almost had a hundred yards and certainly going into next week, that's going to be something where it's good to see Devonte still playing really at a high level where he didn't have his best, best game against the jets because you're going to have to get to your number two option at certain points. So the passing offense is really, really thriving. And you know, we'll, we'll talk about the run offense when we get there. The A.J. Brown route you're talking about, that was on the right side there, right? Against, uh, it kind of, in, I think it was in the red zone. there, And that, yeah, that's like a, it was third and 11, I believe, or third and 14 or something like that. And he picks up a 20-yard gain. And it's just like, you kind of take that for granted, right? Like most teams, like watch NFL teams on a Sunday when, you know, the announcer will give the, uh, uh, you know, they're like required to say, I don't know if they get a bonus. There's not a lot of good plays in the playbook for, you know, third or fourth. I'm like, can you please just like settle? We we know that we've heard this before, but with the Eagles, it's like, no, 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 you, you actually have an option here. So yeah, that one, he kind of cooked Emmanuel Forbes on that one on the right side. And then the one touchdown on the left side, I mean, the commanders are playing two man there. Right. It's like it's like they have a specific coverage to give safety help over the top of two two man is just man coverage with two safeties over the top. So you'll hear, you know, in analysis trail technique when the corner can get underneath the wide receiver and take anything uh, away there and then kind of chase him because he knows, hey, I've got a safety over the top. I'm covered there. And it doesn't matter. Jalen Hurts just throws it up uh, and A.J. Brown makes the catch. So, uh, yeah, he just like there is a scenario, I think, Sean, I was thinking this as I watched the game. I'm like, what would this look like without A.J. Brown? If you just gave me like like solid, you know, not even replace him with like one of their backups now. You know, like if you said, hey, choose whoever you think is like a replacement level starter in the NFL, just like a solid starter who will make the plays that are there, but isn't going to be spectacular, you know, might have, I don't know, let's say 700 yards receiving season and you plugged him into this offense. I do wonder. I do want, like, it feels, I, we know there would be a drop-off. I don't know how big the drop-off would be, but man, the way he solves problems for them, third and long, red zone, under pressure, nowhere to go. Said he had a second reaction play for, you know, like, like he just solved so many problems. So um, I don't even know what my question is there. I just <laughs> rambled about AJ <laughs> Brown for a while, why? but the guy's on fire. <laughs> yeah, why are we, why are we thinking about the offense without AJ Brown? You know, I yeah, was told we get into November. We're in the month of thankfulness. You know, I'm thankful that we get to talk about what he's doing every week. And yeah, I mean, thought experiments, we could talk about the Josh McDaniels in Philadelphia thought experiment where he was, Ooh, I think one of the top candidates in 2021. Yeah. But, Hey, you know, like I said, the thought experience experiments, you know, that was for philosophy class freshman year. Let's get those out of here. Uh, it's funny you mentioned like there's no good plays in the playbook for third and 11. The Eagles have one. And it's called throw the ball to AJ Brown on a vertical yeah. route where he can beat you behind you, right? He can get past you. But then him posting up on some of those plays is so ridiculous. And like you talk about two man, it's like it's like a seven on seven high school pass coverage that is so infrequent in the NFL, of course, quarterbacks can escape. They're able to cause issues for it that way. But you're, you're, hey, you're just not supposed to be able to hit those types of passes. And in this game, I mean, I, I was nervous during this game more than I probably would have liked to be on a lot of third downs. And I just think, all right, well, yeah, they're going to get it to AJ Brown eventually. And then on fourth down, skip one into Devontae, get up, get up to the line quickly. And just another sign of a, yeah. of a team that is so well coached. And really able to take advantage of a situation that they shouldn't have been able to take advantage of. But we didn't talk about the the little push sneak sweep. Would you have held that for Cowboys week or or what were you feeling on that one? I could kind of go either way. I don't have a strong opinion on it. You know, like my initial reaction was like, yeah, you should have saved that. But does it 
really matter? Like you're most of the time you're running the push sneak, uh, the brotherly shove. Uh, anyway, w- what do you think? What's your general philosophy on stuff like that and whether to save it or it doesn't really matter? Yeah, love the nuance. You know, it could it could definitely go either way. I, I will say that say you do run it because they have done that now. If you're a defense, you do kind of have to feel, all right, we need to protect a little bit further outside where the commanders, obviously, I mean, I wouldn't expect that to come because you're so prioritizing, hey, Hurts going in the A-gap right away. So it's like, ah, you know, if it makes their push sneak just a touch better, I mean, I think that's a positive for the offense. And I'm glad that that was the wrinkle off of it where against the Buccaneers, they had the wrinkle where it looked like Hurts kind of fake sneaked and then was going to throw something over to the tight end to the top. So, I mean, I'm fine that they ran it. If I'm the Cowboys, obviously, you know, you're going to have to have to have an extra guy out there and that can be enough in certain situations where obviously the Eagles convert it at such a high rate, but let's, you know, let's turn 98% to 99%. Yeah. That, that wrinkle worked better than the uh, previous wrinkle that we, <laughs> the water jail hurts <laughs> fell down there. Now this one looked a little bit smoother and leads to a touchdown there. So, all right, that's uh jail and hurts. Let's uh, next, next, next shift to the run game. Cause I do think there's some angst locally about the run game and to be like, I think it's fair, especially when you look at this game coming up uh, against the Cowboys, because that is one way um, you can attack them. But the run game just wasn't there for them this week. It really hasn't been there a bunch for them in recent weeks. This was their second worst rushing success rate of the last three seasons with Jalen Hurts. So that's 42 games. Now, um, some of the factors, and then I want to hear what you think. I mean, I think the the one biggest factor might just be Jalen Hurts is injured. The run scheme, in a lot of ways, not every play, but in a lot of ways, is built around shotgun runs where Jalen Hurts is at least a threat to run the football, whether it's a direct give or a read or an option or whatever. The defense has to at least consider he could take off and run the ball, so we have to account for that. In this game, I don't think that the opponent really felt like they had to account for that, and rightfully so. There, I don't think there was a single, uh, you know, run where he kept the ball on an option run uh, or a designed run or anything like that. So that, to me, is a big factor. And then it's fair to just point out it's like not that interesting or exciting, but like they just weren't winning all their battles up front. Where there are some games we watch and you can rewind the film, and oh my gosh, they're blowing guys off the ball, and there's a huge hole here. That just wasn't happening as consistently. So that's not one where that requires a ton of analysis. But uh, I do think that was a factor to what what did you kind of see uh, with the run game and maybe some of the reasons for the struggles? Yeah, I think first and foremost, the game, it was just not a, hey, we need to run the ball to win type of game. Just like yeah. any receiver, or any quarterback, you want to be in a rhythm. You want to get the ball to your star receiver early. The offensive line also has a rhythm where in games where the offense is dedicated to running the ball, you can find success on the ground. But I mean, it helps when you can just win through the air. I do think it's important to remember, right? The Eagles run so many RPOs. And part of that is a lot of your run calls do end up as passes because the way the defense plays it. And I did like they had a few good RPO designs where they ran A.J. Brown on that third level RPO. So you're reading the safety and that safety becomes a plus player in the run game. They ran it against the Jets, too, where I think it hit off Devontae Smith's hands. They had another nice design later where you got two receivers kind of tight to each other. The inside receiver, who I'm pretty sure it was Goddard, motions out. Now the new inside receiver becomes the bubble player. So just a little tweak changes leverage for the defense. And those are passes, right? Those aren't runs where the RPO can have a positive impact on an offense. It can change the way the defense plays you, but it can also kind of take away from some of that run game where it was the second quarter where Hurts, I think he's end up sacked where it probably counts as a run instead of a sack. But it looks like 
a potential give. Kelsey is pulling into space. We talk about yeah. that white play a lot. And, you know, he probably wanted the outside receiver. But if it's just a handoff, you feel probably a lot better there. And I know you love talking about execution. And that it, it is important here, right? Up front, <laughs> it doesn't feel like they're, yeah, those double teams where a lot of times they just kind of eat up two players. It feels like that, like, initial knockback on that double team, that looks really good. And then as one player climbs to the linebacker, the defensive tackles, I think they're able to regain position. They're able to kind of shed for a tackle. And, you know, part of that is thanks to them facing a lot of just really, really good defensive fronts. But, you know, Cam Jurgens, I'm not sure if he's going to be back this week, whatever the potential is there. But I think the Eagles would like to have him back soon. Yeah, he could be. Uh, I think the window is open, and so um, we'll see if he ends up playing uh, on Sunday. Not that it's all, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's all Suo Peta, and once he gets out of there, like it's it's obviously not just one player. I do think, you know, Jurgens will give them certainly an upgrade there at right guard. Yeah, the timing on stuff just kind of seems off a little bit too, even with the O-line and the back. Like we've seen games where it just looks like everything is hitting and everything's clicking and they can't be stopped. Uh, this wasn't one of those games. So that's been, we've had that theme, I think, on the show where it's just like, sometimes you watch it. Like when you watch a, here's what happens to me, Sean. When I watch like a, a run play that doesn't hit on film, I'm like, how does a run play ever hit? Because it's like, you know, it's like, it, it, it is, it seems like so, how, how could it happen where every one of these guys, like seven guys, not let's not even count the receivers, like there might be six, seven guys all have to be doing the exact right thing against the exact right front and the back has to hit it at the exact right time just to gain like six yards. I'm like, how does this ever work where they're not like tripping over each other or one guy's uh, not screwing up? So we probably do take that for granted when we watch some of these games where the Eagles are running for 200 yards and make it look so easy. Uh, this is kind of more of the norm where there's going to be some more ups and downs. One guy might have an issue, or like you said, I think, you know, one guy might not be able to hold a block long enough. And all of a sudden, um, where you had a chance for an explosive run, it turns into a, uh, a short run. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see what it looks like. We'll, we'll get to that when we talk about this Cowboys matchup, if there are some tweaks or some wrinkles and if they're able to, uh, get to the run game a little bit more here. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Talking about what the heck happened to the Eagles defense on Sunday. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 money line bet wins. Let's see, what do I got? You know what I like this weekend? I like the Chiefs a little bit. Net Frankfurt game. Some people say stay away from the, the international games. Maybe you want to. Maybe you don't. Maybe you, you want some action on it. You're up early in the morning. They're one and a half point favorites against the Dolphins. Go with that. Go with something else. Whatever. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, listen, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet. Live, same game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Dive into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 
miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, we are back on the ringers. Philly special. So now, uh, now I don't know where you you live, Sean. Was there? Did you have to like do some trick or treat? Like, are do trick or treaters come to where you are, or is it not a neighborhood where you get a lot of uh, kids stopping by? Were you handing out candy last night, or were you just like, I'm grinding the film? Like, I don't have time for you children out there. Yeah, so I live I live in Dallas. You know, I think I've said it once or twice, but don't hold that against me. Yeah, uh, Eagles. No, people, no, I know, yeah, I know Dallas. the city. I know the city. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know. I I, I don't know like the the neighborhood. You know, so it's it's like a nice cul de sac, and we do something great every year where it's like you put a table outside, and people kind of come back and forth and get it. But it's getting a little cold outside, so I feel like there was less people. And then you got outside people that aren't in the neighborhood coming in. So definitely handing out some candy. I think we had someone comment like like 1045 yesterday, which to me, you know, you know, I'm a night really? owl. I, like if I'm up that late, like it, it's on purpose and it's kind of regular. But I don't know. We got to We got to get these kids to bed. Let's let's get let's keep it moving no. out here. We got we got film to grind. 1045 is outrageous. That sounds like like uh, youth, like uh, trouble, <laughs> troubled, you know, coming in. You, you got to you be coming at 1045. Yeah, yeah, come on. What are, what are you doing? No, we, we like to get out there, uh, get out there early, you know, get out there early, wrap it up early. That, that's what happens when you have uh, the little kids there. What is that? Do, now, do you listen to like sports talk radio or anything? Now, do your like neighbors and stuff, do they know like what a, what a football savant you are? Or do they just have no idea? They're like, this guy doesn't come out of his house or out of his room for like five months. And we don't really know if he has a job. Do you, do you, uh, my question was going to be like, what's the vibe check for like Cowboys fans in Dallas right now like are they feeling confident are they feeling uh anxious but uh I don't know how much you you kind of jump into that you're you're not from there you just kind of li- live there right now yeah well I think that uh on the question of like do the neighbors know not only do they not know like my wife I don't think she knows <laughs> I don't think like my like mom fully understands like I like oh, to think no I know chance. a lot about yeah. <laughs> just yeah, but see, the big thing, though, is in Cowboys country here is like you get 10% off your groceries if you go in with a cowboy shirt on Sundays. So like if you see me wearing a cowboy shirt, you know, that's that's what it is. But my my dad is a guy to talk to. He's got really, you know, he's got his ear to the ground on it. But every Cowboys fan I've talked to has been extremely confident that they're the mm. best team in the league once again. And then, you know, when they played the 49ers oh. at the barbershop, I told the barber next to me, not the guy who cuts my hair, who's on a two-week vacation, that the 49ers were going to win. And, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's hard, Shield. You know, what what do people respect about the film grind? I don't know. I'm just, 
I'm just I'm just trying to learn stuff out here. <laughs> I like that you clarified your barber was on vacation. That seems like a, we might. I don't know what's going on there. But that, listen, so you so you didn't wait for him to come back. You needed the cut there. You have a regular oh, person. No, 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 no. Oh. See, wait. I, okay, guys. Cliff is coming on. Okay. Shield. I was at yeah. my barber who now going forward is on a two-week vacation. So like I was not cheating uh, on my gotcha. barber in any okay. sort of way. It was the barber next okay. to us who was like who was wearing a Parsons jersey who got the like, hey, the 49ers uh, are gonna win. Okay. Um and so in, in two weeks when I get to go back, then then we can we can discuss it again. <laughs> okay. Cliff, you look like you has you you have something serious to say here. I'm kind of nervous. Y'all, y- y'all see me hair all out right now, trying to get my hair rebraided <laughs> right now. Bro, I texted my hair braider girl. <laughs> Like yesterday, she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I got my kids parade the same time we were supposed to meet up. Can we do this tomorrow? You know, she texted me back. She texted me back literally like 30 minutes before we were about to get on here. Oh, I thought I texted you, but I didn't text you. I'm like, yo, you got me looking crazy for the last like two days. Like, come on, man. Like, I need you. I need you to get on the wagon. Like, I need you to get on it. Like, I need to get my hair done. Man, I got a lot of stuff I got going on this weekend. I don't got no time. I got to look fresh. I, you know what I mean? I got the... the the curls all over going crazy. I don't, I can't even get a shape up. Like I feel so lost right now, man. No, Cliff, I would, you're I wanted you, on record. I would have rescheduled if, you know, that is like <laughs> prime, prime importance for me. So Sheila, you know, you said, I agree. Me too. Listen, I would have been at Cliff would have just had to say the word and I would be like, do what you need to do. Cliff has to reschedule like all the time. So Cliff, anytime you need to do something like that. And you know, Sean, like I, I can't, you could tell Sean probably like, uh, Sean, you good with like three 30 in the morning. We just have, <laughs> he'd be like, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> so I don't think you have to worry about Sean. Uh, you don't have to worry about me. Now, Cliff, you are making the move back to Philly now? How does do, Man, back I'm, to the I hometown, assume you have baby. someone in Philly? You have someone in Philly? Yeah. So the, actually, because this, I, this is a, in New York, you're talking about, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm in I'm in New York right now, but I do got somebody in Philly. I do. First of all, if you if you know somebody that's sharp, you listen to this podcast. Definitely send me um, <laughs> send me some recommendations because I you know I could use a uh, I could use a you know newer barber somewhere in that lower north or, or North Philly area. So if anybody you know got some recommendations. Definitely shoot me a text, tweet me, whatever. But I do got a barber from um, back in my time at Temple. He actually still works at the barbershop still, right? I'm I'm not too far from Temple, so he still works at the uh, there you go. the barbershop over there. So I'm a, I gave him a call. I was like, yo, pulling back up to the city, man, after eight years, you know, was good. He was like, oh, word. All right, man, it's, it's up. So, you know, we back, we back in the mix, show. We, we getting back to it. Shil, you think he had Cliff's number saved and his name there, or, or do you think the guy was just like, "Yeah, I remember Cliff. Of course, I remember Cliff." <laughs> no, yeah, over I mean, the years, everybody I've, knows Cliff. So over the yeah. years, I've like spot, like I've stopped by like here and there. So he definitely has my number saved just from um from old times. So you you know, what I mean, I shot him, you know, shot him a quick text real quick, like, "Yo, you still at the same barbershop?" He's like, yeah, bro, like pull up whenever you need a cut. I got you. Kind of busy nowadays, so we gonna have to work the schedule out a little bit, but. He's still super sharp. You know, he gets me looking right. So I can't, you know what I mean? I can't switch right. it up. There you go. The official barber of the ringers. I'm jealous of you guys. I mean, I would just show, I just used, you know, when I had hair, just show up to the barbershop and whoever's there. They do, I'm not able to text anybody or call. I don't know when they're going on vacation. I mean, I'm just showing up. They do what they need to do. And then uh, do, I'm nope. out of there. I, I, not, maybe, maybe that's why I don't have any hair anymore. They were screwing <laughs> stuff up. Who knows what product they were putting in there? Because I didn't have the relationship, you guys. I'm jealous. I mean, you. T- I, I, I got to move on here. This is too nah, much. Nah, man. You, you, have to, <laughs> you have to have a barber you know and trust, bro. They get you right 
every single time. Makes you feel like a new man. Like, honestly, right. just got a fresh cut. Makes you feel like a new man. I agree with that. I mean, it's been a while since I, you know, had to worry about that. But uh, yeah, I do kind of remember that, that feeling. All right. <laughs> Where are we here? All right. We were talking about the Eagles run game, lack of success. Uh, we're going to get to the defense here. Just overall, Sean, Eagles offense, fourth in EPA per drive, fourth in success rate, and seventh in DVOA. And we're, you know, nearing the halfway point in the season. Like if you would have said before the season, hey, these are going to be the numbers or the rankings halfway through with the new offensive coordinator, um, you know, with a potentially tougher schedule, with Jalen Hurts is dealing with an injury, with you lost your right guard for a little bit. I think most people would probably sign up for uh, that type of offense. So not to say that there's not room to improve. There is as we go over all the time. But man, overall, uh, compared to league-wide, it's been pretty Good here. All right. That's the offense. The defense, Sean, was another story. I mean, last week, we're on here. We're talking Sean Desai. We're talking, are we related to Sean Desai? We don't know that we're related uh, to Sean Desai. By the way, someone was, you know, hold on. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, But this was their fifth worst defensive performance of the last three years and the worst defensive performance of the season based on EPA per drive. It sounds weird to say. It feels like Eric Bieniemy has Sean Desai's number. I mean, he really, like, the commander's offense in every other game, you're watching these games, and you're like, these guys suck. And then they play the Eagles, and, like, they can't be stopped. They look completely uh, unstoppable. So uh, I thought there were some different factors here. Commander's whole game plan was do not let that pass rush wreck the game. The ball's coming out quick. We're throwing screens. Sam Howell's not going to sit back there for a while. Uh, And they did a good job of that. Now, that can only work if you're kind of breaking some tackles or picking up yards after the catch. Sean, 397 yards uh, after the catch. Wait, can that be right? Uh, I don't know if that's right. Let me double check that. That sounds wrong. Whatever it was, it was the most by an Eagles opponent. <laughs> Listen, I'm scrambling here, okay? It's we're reaching the midway point of the season. I'm going to get some stuff wrong. I'll just tell the audience right away. It was most by the Eagles opponent uh, this season. And just last week, we talked about how the Eagles limited the Dolphins yards after the catch. What were some of the things you saw? Big picture takeaways, why this Eagles offense, the performance was not nearly as good as it was just a week before against Miami. Yeah, it's so weird to think that the Eagles matched up so well with the Dolphins, and then you struggle twice against the Commanders. I re- agree with you. I think Enemy just had the whole defense in a headlock. They pressed a lot of the same buttons as that first matchup where, you know, it's third down. Let's get into a bunch. We know your rules. We can break them. We can go ahead and get an easy first down. And getting that ball out quickly to neutralize any pass rush or any blitzes against the secondary where, of course, you know, they're again adding a new player where Bayard, it was awesome that he played every single snap, but I'm sure that coverage menu is, and it looked on film, like it's simplified at least a little bit because through the year, they have a really, really long list of coverages that I like where uh, against bunches particularly they use that four over three defense to where i was comfortable with how they use it against the rams and they obviously have that there but then against the commanders you know they i think rotated to one high probably one too many times where i think even Desai mentioned it in his press conference uh, earlier this week that yeah you know <laughs> probably do it a little bit too much of that at the same time there were times where bradbury and slay were also beat so it felt like, oh man, like the whole entire secondary having just an, one player issue at a time where we think about the run game where, hey, if one offensive lineman doesn't have their job done perfectly, the run's not going to work. Same thing on defense. You can have everything per- 
are perfectly covered. And if one corner, you know, Bradbury had to play where in cover four kind of had his eyes inside, offense is running quick game. If you want to jump that and that guy goes behind you, it doesn't really matter what else is going on in the coverage. So the biggest things to me was, yeah, like bunches just <laughs> not figured out for the entire game. I do, you know, I I do still think Sean Desai is, is really good at his job. And I think that especially because we saw from the first Commanders game to the Rams game where they fix things, I think as Bayard really is able to just get in that system more and more. And I mean, they're still rotating people at nickel and they have the rotation at linebacker all the time. So they're still figuring things out. But a lot of that is going to get tested coming up in the stretch. I thought that was a big factor when I was looking at the snap counts and I'm like, they're playing a lot of people in these games. I mean, they had uh, six different defensive backs play at least 20 snaps. And by the way, one of those defensive backs, as you mentioned, was Kevin Byard, who got there like, what, four days uh, earlier. And so when you when you're, you know, they're rotating three guys at linebacker like Nicobe Dean is not a full time player for them right now. Nicholas Morrow's playing. Zach Cunningham is playing like all three of those guys are playing at linebacker at uh, nickel. You have Sidney Brown out there in big nickel on first and second down. And then you have Eli Ricks playing a more traditional nickel on third down. You know, Bradbury's been in and out again. Bayard, uh, this was his first game. So when you have so many different moving pieces and zone coverage is all about, uh, as those Seahawks teams used to explain to me, everyone being on a string where one, you know, if one guy's going this way, everyone has to react and be uh, in a different place. When you have so many different players play and haven't played, had a lot of reps together, I do think stuff like this is going to happen. Now, that's not an excuse. Listen, I'll if 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 Jonathan Gannon put out this game last year, we'd be crushing them. So I think it's fair to be like, you can't get cooked by Sam Howell and the commanders to this degree. I don't care who you have out there. And I think that's fair. Having said that, they, they've had more ups than downs. I think in the first half of the season, they've shown they can play well against elite offenses, which to me was what this season was all about. Like, can you show up? Not every time. Yeah, listen, they, they got Mahomes, they got Josh Allen, they got Dak Prescott. Like, they're going to get cooked by at least a couple of these teams where we're going to come on here and we're going to be having a discussion. How did the Eagles give up 435 yards and 30 points? Like that's probably going to happen at least once. It might happen twice. It might happen three times, but I want to see little glimmers in there where we also have a show or two in the next six weeks where we say, Oh my goodness. They completely shut down offense X, which was ranked in the top seven and look at what they did to them. So now you have that dolphins game. Now you have this game. This gives you hope for the playoffs. Cause that's to me, uh, is what it's really about. So I think th- those were definitely some of the factors, uh, that led to why they struggled here. And then to your point, it wasn't just that, like, I will be clear. We just had a lot of guys get beat one-on-one who didn't have good games. I mean, uh, slay, uh, you and I were putting in our, our little play spreadsheet. I mean, they go zero blitz and Byron Pringle runs past Darius Slay where that is like a, what, I can't remember where the ball was, 50, 60 yard touchdown if Sam Howell is able to to put it up, give him a chance there. Now, he couldn't give him a chance because it was a zero blitz and the Kobe Dean and I forget, I think it was Jalen Carter were in on Sam Howell. So those things do go together when you're calling a zero blitz. That's the risk you're taking. But I did watch the Phillips shot and I thought, man, this could have been a little worse. If that play hits, uh, there was a big coverage bust on fourth down. Maybe you want to talk about uh, that one here uh, in a second. If you remember the play I'm talking about where Sam Howell goes to the left side against James Bradbury and it's actually a near interception. Well, on film, if you look at the right side, 
holy cow, they had a bunch formation and they did not play it well. And a guy, I can't remember if it was Logan Thomas or who, is running downfield with no one within 20 yards of him where if Sam Howell goes there, that's a touchdown. And then even, even in the fourth quarter, they had that drive where Howell and McLaurin just can't get uh, on the same page for two of those passes. So there's actually a scenario where it looks even worse for the Eagles defense. But let, let's get back to that fourth down play there because that does have something to do, I think, that relates to the future with and a theme that it's been here all season. How did the Eagles kind of handle uh, some of those bunches? So that wasn't even just a bunch. It started as a bunch and then the running back motions out. So it makes it a four by okay. one set where in four by one sets, a lot of times the quarterback just takes that backside one on one because the defense has to devote so many resources to that four receiver side. It is such a true isolation that, you know, thankfully Bradbury won that one. But on that one, yeah, the Eagles, they just end up not communicating properly. I think they have a little bit of difficulty on that one. As like the running back gets added to the bunch, so you really need to know your rules. And then, of course, the commanders the entire game just did such a good job with an outside guy releasing in and then someone trailing him. So it messes with that, just your leverage everywhere. And yeah, there is a guy wide open. So, you know, we said November, got to be thankful, just got to be thankful that not all wide open <laughs> players end up as completed passes and happy that Howell just takes his first read where it's, yeah, you know, again, it's a one on one. It's not like an awful decision. By the quarterback. And you know, overall, I think Desai has earned our trust. You know, he's, he's obviously earned my trust, at least a little bit, right? We said that Dolphins game, but even in this game where there were a bunch of times where they're getting beat on inside routes in man coverage, and then there was a snap later on where he shifts the leverage where the nickel is on outside leverage and playing, or sorry, flip that, yes. So the nickel is playing inside leverage, <laughs> yeah, taking away that inside breaking route. And to me, that's just like a small thing on film, but it's a really thoughtful thing where hey, we're not going to get beat on that same route over and over, even though the TV copy, it might feel like that. And then they had another snap later on where it looks like Slay is following a guy in motion inside, and then they turn a man coverage look, kind of bailing into cover two. So he's still thoughtful, guys, right? He <laughs> he had yeah. a really, really rough game. And, you know, you hope that, thankfully, the commanders seem like they're kind of selling off some of their ass, or really move stuff away during the trade deadline. So we don't see the commanders Again, during the season, obviously, Andy Reid is probably watching this film like, yeah, Eric Bien, I mean, I know all your tricks, too. I, I got them loaded up for Monday night in a few weeks, but I mean, they'll have the bye week to really plan for that one for sure. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about the Bien Reid uh, connection there. Of course, you know, Reid kind of used the Doug Peterson motion from the regular season for that touchdown in the uh, in the Super Bowl. So he, like all good coaches, he will steal plays. Uh, I think your point is a good one, though. Like if anything, if it's like, hey, what have you learned about Sean Desai through the first uh, eight weeks here? Like he's not stubborn. He, he's not stubborn. He's not like, I'm. this is our game. You know, what they do from Monday to Saturday, not that it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. That's what their game plan is going in. But man, if that's not working, he is quick to go to something else and try something else. This wasn't like a game where you're like, oh my God, they stuck in the same thing all season long and the commanders had it figured out. No, no, no. They were trying uh, zone. They were trying man. They were trying blitz. They were trying four-man pass rush. They were trying different personnel groupings to the points you just uh, pointed out. They were trying a lot of different things based on how the game was going. And guess what? Like none of them really worked that well um, in this game. And then the one-on-ones, I mean, 
you you mentioned the play earlier. Yeah, Bradbury's kind of looking uh, at the quarterback and gets caught flat-footed for that uh, first touchdown. The the receiver runs right past him for that, so he loses a one-on-one there. Reed Blankenship loses a one-on-one uh, on another touchdown, which I didn't think his coverage was bad. That was a you know a nice throw, uh, but he had another play where I think it was Bates got him uh, on an explosive play with a nice route where he loses one-on-one there. Uh, so there were a lot of those kind of sprinkled in. Zach Cunningham was on Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think it was a wheel route down the right sideline. So a lot of the one-on-ones they were kind of losing in this game, Kevin Byard against Logan Thomas. Again, it's not like just one player. I mean, I just named like five different players who all lost one-on-one. And I think every play I just mentioned was either an explosive or at least a first down. And so, uh, it was kind of one of those games. Now, if that happens two, three games in a row, we're going to be having a longer conversation. But uh, I think we've kind of learned that this, for whatever reason, this is a nice matchup for the commander's offense where they're able to figure things out. And like you mentioned, stress some of the rules that they know the Eagles play with. Uh, and the Eagles were not able to, uh, to, to play that well in either of these two games against that commander's offense. All right. Sure. Do, Anything do else? Think, be- yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Do you think Reed Blankenship is the best player in the secondary right now? Interesting. Do I think Reed? Bl- I didn't think. I, I actually thought this was not a good Reed Blankenship game. So I'm like, I think if you would ask me a week ago, I would have maybe been more inclined to say, yeah, he's played the best. Uh, I didn't think this was necessarily his best game. I'm trying to think who the. I mean, Slay like a little more up and down than last year. I still think is a you know very good corner. James Bradbury. Someone had asked me before this game like about Bradbury, and I'm like. Like his play slipped a little, but I still think he's played pretty well. This was not a good Brad. I didn't think he looked good uh, in this game. So I feel like I'm having some recency bias here. And like this last game is clouding a lot of what I think. I think it's definitely fair to say Bradbury's not playing as well as he did last year. I would say Slay to a lesser degree is not playing as well as he did last year. And I would say Blankenship has played very well. Although this last game, he didn't play great. What Do, do you think Blankenship is the best player in their second year? No, you asked the question. I, I, Oh, yeah, you're just I don't wondering. think necessarily is, but okay. I think that the the thought is like interesting because the secondary where you look at on paper, it's like, okay, Slay, Bradbury, like you think that as a certain level and yeah, it just doesn't feel like maybe as as great as last year where I mean, that's natural. And yeah. obviously you play against really good receivers every week and playing cornerback is so hard because a 50-50 ball last year falls in your hands. This year it falls in the receiver's hands. That's just something that's tough. But I'm excited for Kevin Byard to be in there because it really does add a lot of flexibility to a defense where kind of in the old Fangio playbooks, like when they write safety, they don't write free safety and strong safety. They'll just like put a dollar sign for both safeties. So you can, you can just like rotate things and make things look a little more similar. So I do think it adds a bit in disguise where they had Bayard sometimes coming downhill and then sometimes, you know, Blankenship would be playing either the backside quarter or kind of robbing across the field. So I'm hopeful for that. I think that can take stress off in different ways. And then as we say all the time, right, like your coverage doesn't have to be as good when the pass rush is getting after it. So I think overall, we're, what is it? It's like the fourth or fifth nickel player that's in there. Hopefully Roby comes back healthy. But yeah. I mean, the yeah, pass defense is going to be tested going forward. And whoever the best player is, you just hope that they they make enough plays to hold the whole ship together. So the safety thing you mentioned there, explain that a little. So it's just, is it, is it usually just by sides, the two uh safeties play or how do they like i i know it's probably not the same for every person who comes from the fangio tree but what's like the simple explanation for kind of how those safeties line up 
Yeah. So one way to do it is you can have like a safety kind of follow the nickel. So that means, okay, my safety is at that point, you're a safety to the passing strength. But in this game, I think from what I saw, it seemed like, you know, uh, left cornerback and then Bayard were on the same side, right cornerback and Blankenship were on the same side. So then your rotation, it's like you're just using left and right words or to the nickel away from the nickel. And again, I guess I, I'm not doing the best job explaining it, but yeah, it gives you flexibility because now your coverage looks the same at the start of the snap, as opposed to if I was looking at the defense and saying, okay, every single time Kevin Byard is on the left side instead of the right side, they only go to three separate coverages. Now, every single snap, he's on the same side. So there's just a deeper menu of things you can get to from that same look. Gotcha. Yeah. And a uh, loyal listener, uh, Daynez, pointed out to uh, me and Solak that, yeah, they've played, the Eagle safeties have basically played sides, I think, in all uh, but one game or all but one instance so far this season. So that's the way they've been doing it. It's not it's not strong and, and weak or um, strong and free. It, it's just left and right for the most part. So we'll see if that continues. All right. Do we have anything else to say on Eagles Commanders or should we look ahead to the big matchup on Sunday afternoon? Chill. Let's let's bury it. You know, let's bury that tape. I don't want to see any more bunches. Any offensive coordinators, if you're thinking about doing bunches, <laughs> I know you are. Just 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 put it away, please. I know Mike McCarthy is not too interested in bunches, so let's let's let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> oh man, this is why the listeners love you. I mean, we haven't even started, and you take a jab at Mike McCarthy. That's what the people want to hear here. Uh, what do you feel? How do you feel about this time window? You like a late afternoon? game for like a team you want if there's a game you you want to tune into and i know sometimes you're just like oh, i'll catch the eagles film i don't need to necessarily pay attention to every minute live do you let do you prefer the primetime game do you prefer the early window do you prefer the late window because man they I, I think solak was pointing out in the post game pod they don't play at one o'clock on uh eastern time on sunday for a while now yeah, I think that the island games are the worst because they have so many eyes on them that can just like push things one way or the other. Like against the Dolphins, hey, you win. Now everyone thinks the Eagles are like the gift sent to us from the football god. So I'm fine with that. But I'm a big fan of that 325 or 325 for Central Standard Time, of course, that 425 Standard Time for the rest of us uh, in the continental United States. But I like that kind of middle time slot. You know, you get into your groove a little bit. There's less games going on at that point. But this Sunday, I mean, it is a it is a ridiculous, awesome Sunday. Great there weekend. is one game yeah. in every time slot that is must watch. And so my preference is like, okay, we're not going to have to watch all 16 games every single week. Let's just make sure there's like just one that's prime time in that slot where you can throw that one on the TV, put red zone on the side. And then, you know, after you, you finish those pancakes in the morning, let's let's get the blood sugar <laughs> up and get going. You know, my daughter got some, uh, we order from uh, a place, she got the chocolate chip, which I, if I'm doing breakfast, I'm almost always going with like the the egg and omelet and potato, egg and potato option uh, over like the savory, over the sweet uh, pancake French. Not that I don't like those things, but if given the option, I almost always lean that way. But man, she got some chocolate chip pancakes, didn't finish them. I'm pounding though. I think I pounded them at like, you know, Sunday night after our post game. But I'm like, well, I'm going to eat these more. These are, uh, these are delicious. So I don't know. They probably don't stack up to your homemade pancakes, but uh, shout out to Bittersweet Kitchen. They do a nice job. Sure. Getting the, the winter bulk with those pancakes. I like that. Yeah. I will say, so my mm, wife makes the pancakes. I, I think I Not could do smart. a decent job, 
But so my wife, I love her more than anything in the world. Like she, she'll make them into a football shape and then do the chocolate chips. I, I sound like I sound like I'm probably your daughter's age. Like she'll make the seams, the seams of the football. And this is not in my request. The seams of the football oh with gosh. chocolate chips, and that's like the extent of her love and dedication for football is like this particular pan pancake shape. But we just bought like a nice griddle. Shout out to Wolf, no free ads, but they do. They did a, a really nice job <laughs> with that. So. Yeah, I'm excited to get flamed uh, from the group chat for how my wife yeah. makes my pancakes. Does she cut them for you also? Or do you you handle, like you're able to cut them into pieces and eat them? Or does she feed you? <laughs> like, or is she, she she just does the, I mean, I'm just wondering how far uh, this goes, you know, because yeah, that is, that, that, that does seem like something <laughs> if my, you know, I could see myself maybe doing that for my daughters for like a soccer ball Look, or something. Look, I, I, I didn't <laughs> ask particularly for the football shaped pancakes. My what? nephew was like, hey, you know, like Sean Uncle really likes football. Let's do it in that shape. So let me just push that, that blame somewhere else no i'm happy to to say i can i I can cut the pancakes (laughs) myself and then once it's 12 on the central time you know alina's just ignoring me all day anyway so so it's out out of her accord you know she can watch football with me if she wants i know she's not listening but maybe maybe i'll talk to her after (laughs) (laughs) i know she's not listening Uh, i like that listen that's nice that's very nice uh, that she does that for you listen maybe sometime if i'm in dallas i mean listen if i'm in texas i'm coming over for those pancakes uh if i'm down there you better believe it all right this matchup, Sean, Eagles offense versus the Cowboys defense. Cowboys defense comes in hot. Third in EPA per drive. 13th in success rate, so maybe a little relying a little bit on turnovers. Uh, third in DVOA. When you're looking at that from a cover, them from a cover standpoint, they play man at the third highest rate in the NFL. Now, I always think it's important to clarify that's still like well below 50%. They're like around 36%. So every team basically, except for maybe one, uh, plays more zone than man. But they still, if you're looking at it comparatively, um, they play a high rate of man coverage. They are second in snaps of cover one, which of course is man coverage with a single high safety. Uh, And they still play a lot of cover three. That's their most popular coverage. Uh, That is, of course, a three deep zone with four underneath defenders. And that is also a single high safety. Dan Quinn came from Seattle. That's what they played. He went to Atlanta. He went to Dallas. He changed what he did. That's why he gets so much credit, rightfully so, is because he didn't just stick with one thing. He adjusted, but he still got that kind of cover three DNA uh, in his blood. TNA in his blood. I don't know if that makes sense. All right, I told you, I'm struggling. Uh, he the, the, the Cowboys, when they do play man coverage, are very good. Fourth in EPA per pass play when they play man. So that's the coverage profile. Uh, from a pass rush standpoint, they are seventh in blitz percentage. Now, uh, I know you're going to talk about this in a minute, Sean. When we get the blitz numbers from the various services and we use P- uh, PFF and True Media, anything more than four rushers is considered a blitz. But the Cowboys will do the thing we've talked about the Eagles doing, where it's just, you know, five man fronts and everyone's coming and we're creating one on one. So it's not like a blitz where Jalen Hurts has to is the slot coming, is the linebacker come. No, he knows the five, but it's still more than four people that you have to account for. So there you go. Those are some of the numbers, kind of the profile that we see. What are some of the things that stand out to you uh, about this Cowboys defense? I like when we get to break down a defense and they're just so clearly have a particular identity, right? This is a team they want to get into light personnel. They're going to be in heavy boxes. They're going to sit in one high. They're going to play tight man coverage when they rush you. And we could do a whole Michael Parsons podcast. too. I think he has his own podcast. He was putting out the good word that the Eagles are the best team in football. Nice little Mm -hmm. reverse bulletin board material there. (laughs) 
and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Dan Quinn, who I do think he's done a great job lining up Parsons in different spots along the offensive line, and they're going to find your weakest link. So we can be pretty sure that we're going to have our eyes on the TV and Parsons is going to be lined up over the Eagles right guard, whoever they are. I think that's a smart way to attack the Eagles offensive line and make them whether they you want to slide Kelsey over to that spot. But like you said, you know, you get into that five down front. You can't slide your center into a double. I am glad that the Eagles, they played the Rams already this year. So they have the Aaron Donald game plan kind of in the the, the deep year long binder. So I'm sure they'll kind of take some of those lessons and go back to it. But it's going to be such a question of, are you able to protect enough up front because they're going to be in man coverage? Are they going to start getting into doubling AJ Brown? Now I would, uh, I'm just a Madden defensive coordinator. As you know, I think I do a good job on Madden if anyone wants to play, but their, their, their priority is going to be AJ Brown. So then you start to think Devontae Smith just came off a 99 yard game. That is something that you're going to really want to see. And then maybe we could talk a little bit later about, you know, there are some teams, the Cardinals and the Niners did have success against the Cowboys. And there's some lessons I think we can learn from that as well. Yeah, I thought you made a good point in our uh, shared doc there about this could be a Devontae Smith game. Like at some point, not that teams aren't committing extra resources to stopping A.J. Brown, like we just said, the commanders tried at times and it didn't matter. But I do think there are going to be teams that go kind of the, uh, the extra mile and are just like, this guy is just like killing teams every week. Let's take our chances with the other guys, even though that's hard to do. Devontae Smith is a great player. Uh, Dallas Goddard uh, is a very good tight end, but it'll be interesting to see if the Cowboys go that route. Sean, I was looking at uh, last season uh, when Jalen Hurts played. He played in one game against the Cowboys. Uh, In that game, the Cowboys played about 22% man. So a, a lower percentage than they've played on average so far this season. Now, when you play man coverage, unless you're going to spy the quarterback, you have to worry about the quarterback scrambling. Maybe you go into this game if you're the Cowboys and say, I don't think Hurts is going to be scrambling that much. Maybe we can play more man coverage. So that's something to keep an eye on based on, you know, how he's feeling, what his health is like. They played a high percentage cover three in that game uh, last season. And they also mixed in cover two, which has definitely been a part of their, uh, of what they do here the last couple of years. And then they threw some zero blitzes at Jalen Hurts as well. Hurts in that game, 15 for 25, 155 yards two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and four sacks. So it wasn't like that. Now, it was a weird game. They go they go up 20-0, uh, then it's 2017 in the fourth. Lane Johnson leaves the game with a concussion, um, but they had 268 yards of total offense. So it's not like the Eagles lit this Cowboys defense up last year when Jalen Hurts played. They, they were plus three on turnovers in that game. That was against Cooper Rush. Eagles had a phenomenal drive in the fourth quarter where they go 75 yards um, on 13 plays. So that's kind of what they did last year. You just kind of alluded uh, to it, the the run game. You know, you think the Cowboys are gettable in the run game. Uh, what are some of the things you've seen and what are some of the things maybe to look for uh, from the Eagles if they're able to kind of get the run game going here? Yeah, I think looking at the Cardinals and 49ers, which those were games where I felt the offense like had notable success. Obviously, the 49ers game is easier to think about, but the Cardinals, they used a lot of quarterback runs. They had a lot of misdirection on different things. And then especially on those early downs, getting into your play actions that attack one high. And they're happy to run into that pass rush at times, which that's something that the Eagles are good to do. So I think even on whatever, it's third and three and the Cowboys get their rush package out there. If you can run that, because I mean, we saw it against the Buccaneers on third and eight. You know, that's something the Eagles do. 
I think the 49ers won more with like manipulation through motion. And then Purdy had a lot of success breaking the pocket. They used a bunch of like designer plays. So I don't have a hundred percent confidence in the run game, but I'd like them to, you know, attack vertically, especially on the inside, spread it out. So you get into your spread to run looks where the defense has to honor different things in the past game on early downs. If you're going to get into tight sets, those big play action plays where, you know, we've seen them run that as well. I think that's a way where we can get Devontae Smith kind of running away from a cornerback where he's probably going to get bland instead of Gilmore. And I think almost all those matchups. And then the Cardinals, they used kind of a similar play that the Eagles used against Miami, where you get two posts from one side and Goddard was the crosser on the other side. So I think it helps the run game when you can get into sets that you pull out your one high beaters and kind of maybe get them out of some of that, those heavy boxes. But I mean, I, I would love to see the run game kind of kind of get its footing a little bit better. I do think a lot of that comes down to how much Hurts can be involved, particularly because of, yeah, like how Josh Dobbs was so successful against the Cardinals. I do think the Cowboys have a really nice coverage where they'll, I think they call it smoke, where they'll, instead of like a regular spy being like a linebacker, they're going to rotate their safety down kind of at full speed at you. And they're going to like have their defensive ends crash inside to force you to kind of roll out a bit. And they have a player that is actually Mm. fast enough to catch your quarterback. They run it against the Giants all the time where they're playing kind of a regular Mm. fire zone behind it. So it's it's a thoughtful defense. I'm a really big fan of Dan Quinn, but I would love to come back here next week and talk about how great the running game looked. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I just... I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be a big factor in the run game. Now, I, I could be wrong. I don't have inside information. I'm not checking on how his knee is doing, you know, every morning or uh, anything like that. But I just look at, like, we saw what we saw on Sunday. Like, he, I mean, he deserves credit. I just said it was his best uh, EPA per pass play of his career, and the guy's playing on an injured knee. Like, he, we probably should even be giving him more credit uh, for that. But you, you kind of just saw it when you were watching the game, that it's not at 100%. And more importantly than that, we don't have to trust our eyes. We can trust what the coaches told us with how they called the game. They were not calling the game saying, Jalen Hurts, make some plays with your legs. And they are more than willing to do that when he is at full strength. And so now you look at this game, you have this game, and then you have the bye. So like if you're Eagles and you're seven and one and you got the big picture in mind, yes, this is a big game. At the same time, you need Hurts healthy for as as quickly as possible and as long as possible. So listen, maybe there's a scenario where he does improve a lot this week and I'm wrong and he's running all over the Cowboys on Sunday afternoon and I'm feeling like an idiot. I would say the more likely scenario is that it, it has to look a little bit more like it looked uh, on Sunday where he's not going to be a big factor in the run game. But who knows? Like I said, we'll see. Uh, in terms of doubling A.J. Brown, are you... They did a little bit of that, I think, to uh, to Cooper Cup uh, this last week. Like, what are sort of your what is what is your gut? Is your do you have a good gut? I have a bad gut. Whenever I trust my <laughs> gut, it's always wrong. I don't know how you are. Like, that's why that's probably why I lean so much to data and like analytics and evidence. I'm like, anytime it does it, even just doing a simple RPS, little rock paper scissors. If I'm just going by the gut, hey, what pops it? I lose every time. So my gut is always wrong. So I like the data, but I'm gonna. Ask, I don't know. You, do you do you have a good gut? Do you trust the gut? Uh, I mean, like you said, oh, maybe you look like an idiot next week. I always feel like an idiot. And like I say, I'm just always guessing. I'm only, That's all I can do. That's all I can give the fine listeners. So I'm not sure if I have a good or a bad gut. I just have a gut. But like, like you said, you know, doubling AJ Brown, 
I, like it just makes kind of philosophical sense because AJ Brown is continuing to just rip defenses up. And now the biggest thing that the Eagles have is you have a legitimate second and third threat. So if Dan Quinn doesn't double AJ Brown, I'm not going to say that that is some wrong decision because what you don't want to have happen if you're the Cowboys, which obviously none of us are the Cowboys, right? Uh, you don't want AJ Brown to get shut down and then Devonte Smith can easily go for like 175 yards. But the Cowboys second cornerback has been pretty good. So maybe it's a situation where you do the kind of old-fashioned Belichick. Hey, let's put our second-best cornerback on your best receiver, double-team you, and now let's let Gilmore play on Devontae Smith. But I think Gilmore Mm, is a little bit more... Yeah, he's a little more hands-on. He wants to play physical. So I'm not... I mean, Devontae Smith is just such a stud route runner. I think he can really... I mean, he he can kind of cross anyone up. There was like a funny story Richard Sherman said, I think, that... He was like, oh, the moment I knew when I wanted to or when I had to retire was Devontae Smith ran a route. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> hips just don't move fast enough anymore. <laughs> so he has that in him. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the double on defense just so then we can talk about it next week. <laughs> but uh, from that, then as an offense, you have to have so many man coverage beaters. And then one thing about man coverage, like in RPOs, you're trying to conflict like a specific defender that you want them to step up. And then you can pass behind them. Or if they step back, you can run right in front of them. Man coverage just removes that conflict because a defender is no longer, or at least the nickel, for example, is not really filling a run gap. They're just eyes on their receiver. So that can be just something annoying where the RPOs aren't hitting the same way or you have to manipulate space in a little bit of a different way there. Although as a friend of the pod, Coach Flynn, Princeton wide receivers coach, big game coming up uh, on Friday, has always reminded me over the years, and as we've, you know, I've sent sent him some clear WhatsApp, there are there are man-beating RPOs where you run a little pick play with two. You're right, though. Yeah, that's not the main, but most of the time when you're running an RPO, you're trying to put uh, a defender in conflict. You're not running like an actual concept uh, with two guys. So if they do, then maybe we'll see um, some of those. All right. My gut is telling me it might be a big Devontae Smith game. I don't know. Listen, I'm just, that's what my gut is. That could be wrong. Like I said, my gut's always wrong. As we were talking that through, I'm like, I could kind of picture it. This is like, you know, AJ Brown's had this monster stretch, and all of a sudden, Devontae Smith says, I'm still here. Not that he's had a bad season, but uh, he comes out and plays well. All right. Other side of the ball here, Sean. Cowboys offense versus the Eagles defense. We just talked at length about the Eagles defense. Cowboys offense. 8th in EPA per drive, 13th in success rate, 17th in DVOA, 13th passing, 23rd rushing. Now, I was looking at this. That game against the 49ers was so, 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 so bad that it kind of drags down all their... This is why football is hard with data. It's like, what you we only have eight games. If one game was that bad, it drags everything down. So if we take out that 49ers game... They've had like a top five offense. If you just look at all, all the other games now, I know the stat heads will come at me and say, well, Shielden, are you taking out every team's worst game? No, I'm just, listen, I'm just trying to give a little bit of context here uh, with the numbers that they had one really bad game, but they have been playing better, certainly in recent weeks. Dak Prescott, eighth in success rate and sixth in EPA per pass play. It's like we have all these, you know, all the Dak Prescott conversations nationally and it's the Cowboys who every week it's like a big take here and a big take there. Usually he ends up being around between the 8th and 10th best quarterback in the NFL statistically, and that's pretty much where he is right now. He's completing 71% of his passes. Uh, He has a very low time to throw, 2.6 seconds, uh, and his average pass goes 7.2 yards. So this is a very much a rhythm, get the ball out, 
type of offense. Uh, he's shown some second reaction ability, some more scrambling ability than maybe we've seen in previous years, but I think he, he still prefers to operate from the pocket, and for good reason. He's very good at that. He's very good at diagnosing pre-snap, knowing where he needs to go with the ball, and being accurate with it. Uh, what do you see overall from this Cowboys offense, both um, you know in, in recent weeks and just overall? Yeah, I think to start the year, they were definitely shaky. They they just like felt so stagnant where they're running kind of like the same quick game concept over and over. They weren't making life easier on themselves. When the last two games, they start to use more purposeful motion. But the biggest issue to me, I think, for the Cowboys is outside of CeeDee Lamb, their other pass catchers really have not performed up to, I think, what they hope they would be at. Even where Dak Prescott, to me, is really playing at a high level, I'm glad you mentioned the second reaction plays because, I mean, he's, he really is creating out of structure quite well this year where, you know, maybe he's more comfortable with his ankle than he was last year. And he is just ripping balls in that seam area. So that's a specific area of the field where you're going to look at and say, all right, we're going to have to, maybe we have our quarter safety eye that a little bit harder. And overall, you know, I think they had a good bye week. They had a good game plan against the Rams. But they also just like haven't played a lot of normal games because the defense will get multiple yeah. t- touchdowns and that just kind of ends it or there's the blowout against the 49ers. But biggest thing for me is I would treat C.D. Lamb just like Justin Jefferson because like I said, you know, the Cowboys two and three, those players are not big play threats right now. And defenses, I think, can have success when you muddy the picture up a little bit from a coverage perspective. I would expect the Cowboys to attack the two linebackers and the slot position, those three where... As we said, there's a rotation over and over there. But even against Washington, you know, Zach Cunningham, he almost had an interception against that type of play. But what no one wants to see is C.D. Lamb isolated on linebackers on one-on-one situations. So maybe it's every time he gets into the slot, we're making sure we're getting another resource there. And even that kind of coverage that they use against Tyreek Hill, where it feels like cover three, but you lock the slot on that player because... If someone on the offense is going to beat you, it's either going to be Dak Prescott through the air or, you know, CeeDee Lamb in some way or another. I know there are different kinds of double teams. Is it easier or harder to double a guy when they're outside versus in the slot or vice versa? You know what I mean? Or is it does does that not really matter? Yeah, well, I just think that they're just different. So we talked about, I think, against the Dolphins, right? A lot of it depends on. Like, are you the low and inside piece? Are you the low and outside piece? Are you high and outside or high and inside? On the outside, I think sometimes it can be a little bit easier in my mind. I, of course, do not play slot cornerback for the Eagles because when you have a cornerback that's low and inside, you're funneling it to a high safety so you can be so aggressive there. But in that that slot double team where it's more of an inside-outside thing, there is still enough room for the receiver to break into open space. And then you can break that bracket by running straight, which on the outside, you usually can't do that in the same sort of way. So I do think it's hard. I mean, like every single technique is so hard where I think sometimes even in my head, I think, oh, yeah, just double team that player. I just said it for AJ Brown. Like you can X that player out, but you can't do that in the NFL. Like even then, you know, with a double team, some of these players are able to get open. So I am most worried about when CD gets into the slot. What's the defensive plan there? Yeah, your your point is, I mean, totally backed up by numbers. I mean, CeeDee Lamb leads their team with 633 receiving yards. That's almost 400 more yards than any other Cowboys player. Like he is, you know, kind of carrying their passing game and the other pieces they have, they're not like the Eagles. They're not, they're two and three are not as good as the Eagles, uh, two and three. So, uh, 
Keep an eye on where Lamb lines up. He's lined up both in the slot and on the outside. He's got 271 yards from the slot. He's got 359 yards um, on the outside. He's caught over 82% of his targets. So they have been very, very efficient when they throw the ball uh, to CeeDee Lamb. And of course, he's very good uh, after the catch. So that is certainly something to keep an eye on. I mean, there are other targets. Michael Gallup. Jake Ferguson, Fer- Jake Ferguson is their second leading receiver this year, which I think, you know, that, that would probably surprise uh, a lot of people listening to this. So they they acquired Brandon Cooks, who has been productive everywhere he's been, but he's an older player, uh, although not as old as I think he is in my head, because I feel like he's been in my life for like 20 years, but it hasn't been that long. He hasn't been that productive for them uh, so far this season. Uh, their run game, Sean, has not been... Great this season. Like I mentioned, 23rd in DVOA. Uh, Tony Pollard averaging 3.9 yards per carry. Uh, Bunch of his numbers are just kind of middle of the road. I would be surprised if we're talking on next week when we break down the film and we say what happened to the Eagles' run defense against this Cowboys rushing offense. Not to say it it can't happen. It always uh, can happen. But um, that would surprise me if, if that's the way the Cowboys won this game was being efficient on the ground. Yeah, I'd also be surprised by that. I think they've had some injuries up front where they're still working through health on the offensive line. But yeah, overall, I mean, the Eagles defensive line, you feel comfortable about them in almost any situation. And I think even the way the linebackers have been playing downhill, obviously Cliff's favorite player on the team, Nick Murrow, I think is is playing a decent level against a lot of those runs. And then now... Sidney Brown, you got him just blitzing off the off the nickel spot and adding him into the run. I mean, that that guy wants to blitz. Like he, he really, yes. really does. So it lets you play a light box, but it can, you know, it can be heavier than it actually feels. But yeah, overall, I mean, I think the Eagles run defense should be fine there. Where the Cowboys, like some of their with the way they replace that is they'll run that quick passing game. So, I mean, I, I would love to just see our linebackers, our linebackers, the Eagles linebackers just sit on those routes. You know the tight end is going to go five yards and turn over his outside shoulder. I mean, Fred Warner, I think, had an awesome pick against it for the 49ers. And I think that's, you know, a situation where the Eagles can also have a play like that. Yeah, I meant to mention that when we were talking about the defense, like Sidney Brown had some fun plays on film in this in this game. I mean, when he is attacking downhill versus the run, uh, versus screens, or, you know, he even had the one on the receiver in the middle of the field. Like, yeah, I, I can tell why the coaches in the organization likes him. Now, let's see in coverage. You know, they did give up that uh, one touchdown, which I think was probably uh, on him. But uh I'm interested to see what the rotation looks like here. Because if you're like, well, we're not as worried about the run, then does Sidney Brown play a lot? Do you have that trust in him? Or do you say, you know what? We kind of liked what we saw from uh, Eli Ricks in there. I think Bradley Roby did not practice today. Um, So who knows? We'll see what it looks like later in the week. But it could be some combination of those two guys. Uh, On the Cowboys, from a health perspective, Tyron Smith did not play last week. I thought Jerry Jones, I'm pretty sure I read a headline that said, you know, Jerry Jones said Tyron Smith is going to be available. And then Mike McCarthy said today, Tyron Smith is not practicing and we'll see you later in the week. So that's kind of standard for how the Cowboys operate. Jerry Jones has something on the radio Monday or Tuesday. Mike McCarthy has to walk it back or explain it or whatever on Wednesday when he have his, has his press conference. But that's certainly something to keep an eye on. If they don't have Tyron Smith in there, um, you know, that's going to be a, a nice matchup for a Josh Sweat there against their left tackle Eagles game plan what do you think Sean I just mentioned some of the things uh you know do you double CD lamb um is it more of a Rick's game or a Sydney Brown game um 
what else stands out to you in terms of kind of, you know, what the Eagles should be doing defensively or did, or did we kind of get, get to most of it already? Yeah. Well, overall, I think like Desai has put on film this year, the coverage tools to deal with star receivers. Now it doesn't mean it's executed perfectly every time, but I'm really happy that this matchup is in week nine instead of week one. We've seen how they have rotated coverages towards Justin Jefferson. We've seen them, you know, try, okay, are we going to follow Cooper cup? No, we can't do that as well. Let's get out of it. And then we saw them deal with Tyreek Hill in different ways. So I love that that bag is deep. The menu is large and you can use different things at different times, particularly if CD is constantly breaking inside or he's constantly just just running vertical. You can get to specific coverages against like, hey, we know that this particular route is coming. We can counter that. So kind of like the whole amalgamation, like treat him like Tyreek Hill, treat him like Cooper Cup, treat him like Justin Jefferson. There's so many things that Desai has put on film this year that make me feel confident that at least from like a, if we were just playing a game on a chalkboard, which of course we do not. I mean, I haven't seen a chalkboard in years, maybe a dry erase board or like the zoom drawing thing. Like you feel confident that CD is going to be taken care of from a, from like a high level perspective. It's so much comes down to, yeah, you know, is Eli Ricks going to be able to maintain his leverage on some of those routes or, Sydney Brown when he's in that role it's it's uh you know it's it makes you a little nervous when you start to think about the secondary but you can go in I think more confident when you're against a team that really really is funneling things through a number one like CeeDee Lamb where they don't have Devontae Smith there as well I guess another option which we didn't mention was do you know you could potentially move James Bradbury into the slot maybe in some high leverage situations third down red zone now I don't think Bradbury played as well in the slot. Like it seemed like they were like, all right, we tried that. We didn't love that. Let's get Bradbury back on the outside and try someone else in the slot. So I don't think they're going to do that. But I guess like, you know, if, if they did do that, I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe uh, this is happening. So that's not my expectation, but we'll see. Uh, just a couple uh, numbers to finish with here, Sean. I was looking up Prescott's numbers. I always like to look blitz versus non-blitz, man versus zone. First in every metric against the blitz. This is not the quarterback to blitz. I mean, he is getting out. It's a small, I was like, well, it's a small sample. Let me see. You know, last, last year, first in every metric against the blitz. Like he, he's tough. I mean, he, you know, I know, uh, Eagles fans listening to this are like, give me a break. The guy hasn't gotten past the divisional round. He chokes him. I, I get all that. Uh, <laughs> I guess Sean can't believe Listen, I know that. So I know my audience. If I know nothing else, I know my audience. And that's what they're yelling right now. Give me a break. We watched this guy against the 49ers a few weeks ago. He stinks. Uh, he's very smart and he, he is very like cerebral and has seen a lot and can adjust and make, you know, line of scrimmage knows what he's seeing. Those numbers back it up where if you're going to pressure him, who you, you know, you better get there here. You are playing with fire a little bit. So I'm uh, not saying you're not going to blitz at all. Obviously you mix stuff up every game, but this isn't the game to be like, you know, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at him and be aggressive. The old school got to hit him a million. Like you do want to hit him a lot, but you want to hit him a lot um, with your four defensive linemen. So that was against the blitz. And then the other thing that always comes up when we're watching these games is man or zone. He's killing man coverage first. Again, EPA per pass play first in success rate against man coverage. So it feels to me like this is a do what you usually do. You're more of a, a zone team anyway. Keep your eyes on the quarterback. Uh, some of the techniques you mentioned, see if you can steal a turnover or two. This isn't a game where you have to force seven, three and outs. You know, you can you can create some turnovers uh, and you're going to give up some stuff. Um, but that, you know, very well could be enough 
for you to win the game. What did I miss? I think there were some coverages at the end of the Commanders game where Slay was following the rest- not already not that he was following, but they wanted it to very clearly look like man coverage when a player was in the slot. And then there's one where a safety, I think, Byard is rotating down to McLaurin, who's like the number two receiver of a trips, if I remember that correctly. But to me, that's just like another sign of, okay, that's not a coverage that we've seen throughout the year. But there's an example of a different kind of way to getting to a double team where I'm happy that that is now on the menu for them against cd so i i mean i say it again like it there are a lot of things that just has shown this year that make me feel confident and that at least from a high level you know cd lamb should have a, a harder time but if he's winning it's going to be hey you know he just shook someone out of his shoes or he's high pointing balls where he just has like just absolutely incredible body control yeah it will be uh fun to see i guess i should give my give my pick here i haven't been but i gotta do my picks column right after this anyway so i think i know who i'm gonna pick i think i like the eagles in this game, they are three-point favorites. Uh, they're at home. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think they're going to give up some things defensively. I think they're going to move the football pretty well against this Cowboys defense. Now, if you turn the football over, which has been an issue at times this year, then obviously all bets are off. But uh, I like them in this spot. I'm going to go. Let's see, Sean, here. I'm picking this, you know, just out of thin air here, using my gut, uh, as I mentioned. If I've got them covering... Chill. If your if your gut if your gut if your yeah. gut is talking to you, I, I mean, if your gut is talking, I feel like that's like a a, a side <laughs> issue that maybe we need to we need to discuss. We listen. we do really quickly have to mention as we continue to stall for to listen to your stomach, like the the link when they before the game do the green light thing. That's like the coolest thing ever to me. I like I will always watch the broadcast when like the whole entire stadium looks that green. Like that is that is super cool. So let, let's let's hear. Did your did your gut have enough time there? So you're, I mean, you're turning into a professional podcaster. Your co-host is struggling. You know, it's a terrible listening experience for the audience to hear me just go eh, eh, like that for eight seconds. And so you change the subject. Let's go Eagles 27, Cowboys 23. Feels like a high number, but I don't know. Like we said, the offense has been pretty good. It's not that high. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's like a close game, maybe it's 24-23, and they put together a nice drive at the end, uh, kick a field goal, uh, put the game away, and maybe get a stop on the last defensive possession to end the game. So I'll go Eagles 27, Cowboys 23. All right, Sean, what are we what are we promoting this week? What do we got going on? Uh, promoting uh, panca- pancakes, first and foremost, of course, <laughs> Pro Pancake Podcast. In the shape uh, of a football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know again not my request but hey ha- happy for it to happen but yeah you know just follow on twitter side schemes i'm gonna well i know you got your picks column and obviously your eagles pick is not official until it goes up on the ringer.com what a great website mm. but i got my column this week i'm gonna write i'm gonna like look at the push sneak just like some of the different variations they used last year because it's it's such a fun little thing you know teams across college use it and and fail at it and then another that crash concept that they used this week was the first time they threw to the inside receiver so just plug and look at look at our Eagles offense doing different things. But yeah, follow on Twitter. Uh, don't tell my friends about the pancakes thing. I know that they'll they probably don't listen either, and they'll they'll come after me for it on my own time. <laughs> listen, they don't have to listen, but they should download, subscribe. That's what I always say. You know, we just jack up the numbers uh, a little bit. So there you go. Check out uh, Sean's week. Listen, Sean's weekly column. Like by the end of the season. 
He's going to have a library. He's going to have like the Eagles basic play, their whole playbook on offense and defense uh, from all the stuff he's written in this column. So be sure to check that out. All right. Thanks to Sean, as always. Thanks to Cliff. Thanks to Cliff's barber. Thanks to Sean, Sean's barber. Hopefully they're having fun uh, on vacation. Well-deserved uh, vacation for them after cutting Sean's hair all, all season long. Uh, thank you to my Mach 3. You know, I got a little clean shave here uh, earlier today. So well, shout out to the Mach 3. No free ads, like Sean said, but good product. All right. That'll do it. We will talk to you on Sunday, Solak and I, Sunday night, talking Eagles, Cowboys. Uh, Until then, everyone have a good week and we'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.